you're listening to the Telltale channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. In this podcast, we're going to talk about Greg Locke's bizarre exorcism conference and the hilarious possession stories his guest pastors told. The Trump cult coming up with all kinds of strange ideas about Biden and Obama, collectively referred to as Joe-bama. County clerk Tina Peters getting arrested for passing voter data to Mike Lindell and then getting sued by Dominion. We also take voicemails. If you want to leave a voicemail, the number is 1-800-701-8573. If you want to send an email instead, the email address is telltalemailbag at gmail.com. Guy from Illinois, I find it interesting and disgusting how many on the right and the Christian nationalists, they accuse teachers, people getting teachers, as uh, infiltrating and indoctrinating kids and grooming them. But meanwhile, they ignore the fact of how many right-wing and thugs and gang members and members of the uh, uh, militia groups are in law enforcement. But that's okay. We back the blue when we criticize the teachers. It's it's just disgusting. And uh, that right wing is the ones that are going to be coming out of the woodwork, coming up underneath their, their rocks to cause violence, start shooting people, and the military, National Guards, and me, although I don't want to be a gun, and many other people, I don't have a gun, uh, going to be out there fighting these guys. People are going to get killed, hurt and killed, hopefully nobody innocent. But they're going to be put, have to be put down because guaranteed there will be blood. Yeah, it's an interesting point that you're making. So here's the premise, basically. The right is trying to start a civil war right now. I am of the opinion that a civil war is not going to start. To actually start a civil war, for this to actually happen, there'd have to be some kind of an organized movement a militia that that was trained and ordered directly by somebody in a position of authority like Donald Trump it would have to be Donald Trump ordering this army that has been trained and given weapons and armor and everything it would have to be Trump ordering them to go out and attack a very specific target not just mob violence it would have to be more than just mob violence which is what we saw on January 6th but here's the thing What we're seeing, I don't think we're going to see a new civil war like that. I think what's going to happen is exactly what is happening right now. There isn't going to be a civil war anytime in the near future. What we're going to see is an increase in terror cells appearing out of the woodwork. Uh, Libs of TikTok is an example. Stochastic terrorist cell or or direction basically libs of tiktok if you're unfamiliar is a twitter account that pulls videos of people on the left saying things and twists it around to be something that it's not making them out to be groomers and all of that other stuff doxes their names numbers addresses places of work and unleashes an army of extremists and terrorists on them. People have had to move because of what Libs of TikTok has done. They've had to hide. They've had to move to hotel rooms. They've had they've lost their jobs and had to flee across the country. I had to do that, not because of Libs of TikTok, but because a teacher was talking about how she doesn't agree with being trans or gay, quote unquote, in health class was saying this. Was saying that you can't be moral unless you're a Christian. That's illegal. I turned her in. 
and they literally attacked me, threatened to burn down my house and everything. Kiwi Farms, another great example. A website that only exists to gather people into a group and attack other people, to terrorize them, to stalk them, to dox them, to harass them. That is the only point of its existence. That is what it is all about. And they're doing it under the guise of, oh, haha, these people are so ridiculous, it's funny to watch. When in the process, you have extremists mobilizing and attacking these people, spreading their phone numbers out, spreading the phone number of their work or whatever. This happened to Boston Children's Hospital too, didn't it, recently? Matt Walsh, is that his name? He targeted Boston Children's Hospital because they do trans surgeries. Not on children, just trans surgeries on people that are over 18 years old. But Matt Walsh and others claimed that Boston Children's Hospital does the surgeries on children, though they don't. And there was real terrorist action being taken against them. They were being targeted by terrorists. Christian nationalist terrorists. Because they became the focus of Matt Walsh, of Libs of TikTok, of Kiwi Farms, of all of these other groups. So what we're going to see, and what we're seeing now, is these groups, Kiwi Farms and others, mobilizing terrorist cells against individuals that they don't like. I think over the next few years, we're, we're not going to see a civil war. We're going to see an increase in that. No blood is being spilled except for the blood of the innocents. There is no... I mean, if the military would stand up and defend people like that, that'd be great. But they're not going to do that unless there is an actual threat to national security. Gay and trans people are being targeted right now at this very moment today by terrorist groups like Kiwi Farms and Libs of TikTok. And there's nothing anybody can do. So here's my call to action for you. Keep track of who Kiwi Farms and Libs of TikTok target and find a way to help them. Donate money to them. Message them and express your support. Whatever you can do, do something for them. Because I promise you, it's not easy to be attacked like that. You don't really fully understand what it's like until you're in it. it is, it's not fun. So we're going to see an increase of that. And we need to stand up for people and help them when it happens. We need to. I thought before KF was shut down, membership was invite only. K oh, Kiwi Farms? Was it? I didn't know. I, I hadn't heard. I don't know if that's the case. But either way, it's dangerous. And it, it's just a terrorist node. They may either integrate with another group or go underground, probably start a tour site. Yeah, uh, talking about uh, Kiwi Farms and how they're going to get around being banned from the registrar, the domain registrar, yeah. I think you're probably right. These terrorist cells will continue to exist, but we have to shut them down to the best of our ability and remove them from society. They have no place in society, period. Terrorist cells have no reason to exist, should not exist should not be allowed to gather like that on a, a website and use art services and stuff. It's just wrong. Hey, Owen, this is Jolene from Alabama. I was, uh, this is less of a question and more of a story time, but today at work, I came across someone that was really into the Victory Network 
like the Victory Channel and Kenneth Copeland and all of that. <clears throat> and I didn't like say anything to her because I didn't want to cause any promotion at work. I didn't want to get in trouble or anything. But I was wondering, what is the best way to handle a situation like that? Because I didn't feel very, um, I would say, comfortable um, having her pray over me and all of that. So, um, well, what do you think would be the best way to handle a situation such as that? All right. Thank you, Owen. I love what you do, man. Keep it up. Yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, wow. I didn't realize that she prayed over you until the very end there. I guess it would depend on the situation and how it played out and, and how organic it was or whatever else. That sounds absolutely terrible, though, to be perfectly honest. Bringing up politics or religion at work is opening yourself up to criticism. You're inviting it in. When you open that door, you're inviting that criticism in. So if she opened that door, she invited it. In my opinion, you can feel free to lay it on the line and tell her you're not interested and that you don't want to hear it anymore and, and all of that stuff. Uh, just lay it on the line. If she's not being shy about this, then you don't have to be shy about it either. But be aware that there is a chance that it could end badly for either you or for her, depending on whose side your boss is on, basically. So if you don't want to risk anything at your job, just don't say anything right now. If it's less of a concern, if you think your boss wouldn't have a problem with how you're dealing with it or whatever, lay it on the line. Tell her, I don't want to hear it. This is nonsense and ridiculous, and I don't want you shoving it in my face. Uh, that would be my suggestion. Just be careful. Don't put yourself at risk. That's the most important thing. Good luck. Hi, Owen. Uh, my name is Lars, and I'm calling from Michigan. And I just had a question. Um, was wondering, I'd heard on one of your recent videos, you mentioned how you were reading some books about uh, denazification after World War II. And I wanted to know if you could list some of those books, um, because I'm very curious to read them, especially if there are any of them that you uh, would recommend the most or uh, any of your other favorite books in general. Yeah, I can do that. I was just pulling my phone up. Uh, thank you for the voicemail. Let me just take a look here, see what I've got. The most recent ones that I've read about it are Exercising Hitler by Frederick Taylor. I'm not as much of a fan of that one. I feel like it didn't really stick to the point that I was looking for, but it was okay. Ordinary Men by Christopher Browning was really interesting. It was very much about how people got from A to B. How did we get from a situation where they're just a normal populace and all of a sudden, seemingly overnight, really over the course of 10, 20 years, like half the population was radicalized and ready to attack? Like, how did we get to that point as a society? It's nuts. A really interesting story. Influence by Robert Caldini. I haven't read that one recently, but it's really good, too. Oh, my God, is that good. That's not about denazification. That's just about psychology. Incognito by David Eagleman. Another one really interesting about psychology. The Storm is Upon Us by Mike Rothschild. That one is about QAnon and how it got its start and where it is now and everything. Fascinating stuff, dude. 
fascinating stuff. And I'll give you one more that I read recently. When Prophecy Fails by Leon Festinger, or Festinger. It's basically, it was written in 1954 or something, and it was about a UFO cult. And he used them as a case study and invented the term cognitive dissonance. This guy, the writer did in this book and explained what it is and how people work through it and stuff. Fascinating read. You should give that one a read too if you're interested. Love that stuff to death. So anyway, thank you for the voicemail. Hey, it's Oliver again. I love your stuff, Owen, but I feel like you miss a lot of nuance. Like, I think about stuff I've heard in your other videos, and um, I'm I'm still watching the one with the bounty hunter dog guy. Yeah, I did a video on Dog the Bounty Hunter. He was on a, an episode of Flashpoint a while back, and I was going through it and breaking it down and talking about the whole thing. That's what this caller is referring to. It's on my unfiltered channel. I'm just like, he was crying because, like, this means... A lot to him. Yeah, the guy started crying. Dog the Bounty Hunter did. Now, here's the thing about Dog the Bounty Hunter crying and Greg Locke crying and all these other pastors crying. I have no problem with crying. The idea that crying is wrong, that's toxic masculinity. It's damaging to men to call out crying for crying's sake. But that's the thing. I'm not calling people out just for crying. I'm calling out Dog the Bounty Hunter and Greg Locke for being so emotionally invested in something so deeply ridiculous in the first place. It's not about the fact that they're crying. It's about the fact that they're crying because they love Jesus so much. If they just hate gay people enough, then Jesus will love them even more. It's ridiculous. Talking about the fact that they're crying is me is basically me mocking them for doing so. Not because crying is bad, it's not. It's because they hate gay people and are looking for excuses to hate gay people and are crying over the fact that they love Jesus so much. Their excuse to hate gay people. That's why I mock them over that. And a lot of people cry about a lot of things. And he said that there's nothing wrong with crying. But also, they were talking about the dance contest. And you said you didn't understand, and I'm like... Yeah, I don't know what that's referring to, dance contest, um, but go on. They thought it was funny because people say that white guys can't dance. I don't know. Sorry. I just sometimes feel like, oh my gosh, you do not know the points to this. And I don't, I don't know. Yeah, sometimes I don't get the points behind this stuff. And the reason for that is, so I'm watching three to four hours worth of videos all day, every day on Twitch and my unfiltered channel. And on occasion, I'm not getting the point that they're trying to get across because I'm not giving it that much thought. It's not worth that much thought to me. They're jumping through these ridiculous hoops to justify their obscene and grotesque beliefs through Bible verses and stuff. I don't care. I really don't care what ridiculous, grotesque justifications they're using to arrive at certain conclusions sometimes. And after four hours of listening to them justify 
hating gay people or erasing civil liberties, erasing Title IX sex discrimination and stuff. After four hours of that, I pretty much give up on these people at a certain point. It's not that I'm worn out on listening to them. I'm deeply fascinated by it. It's not that I'm sick of listening to it. I could sit there and do it all day, every day. It's that I don't give a shit what BS excuse they have to offer for their ridiculous, grotesque beliefs. I am fed up to hear with the nonsense they're spewing, and I have this much left in me to try to interpret their ridiculous positions. So sometimes I just stop giving a shit about getting the weird, twisty, turny justification they have. That's why sometimes I don't really understand what they're getting at. But anyway, you know, it may be time for you to find another channel. I I want you to stay, but it sounds like you may be getting tired of listening to me, and that's really okay. I'm really okay with that. It's, It's fine. I would love it if you stayed and watched more stuff, but if you're getting upset with me or whatever, then it's okay. You really don't have to stay if you don't want to. Anyway, thank you for the voicemail. Hey, Owen. This is Patrick from uh, British Columbia. Just a couple of questions about you, about Jehovah's Witnesses. I'm curious if there's anything unique about, uh, like, uh, shopping habits. Like, are there stores that are generally avoided or or, um, frequented? And then same question with restaurants, like, uh, are they frequented? Are they avoided? And do witnesses generally tip? Anyway, thanks. Bye. Really interesting question, actually. I hadn't thought about that. But, you know, when I was in high school, uh, I was dating this girl who was a Jehovah's Witness also. She wasn't a very good Jehovah's Witness, but she identified as one. And she worked at Chick-fil-A for a while. And I thought that was kind of interesting because Chick-fil-A is notoriously known for being ultra-religious and part of Christendom and has political beliefs and all this other stuff. I don't think Jehovah's Witnesses pay any attention to it. I don't. I shopped at Hobby Lobby when I was a little kid, and Jehovah's Witnesses didn't seem to have any problem with it. It probably varies from congregation to congregation, at least a little bit. But yeah, I don't think... Uh, Jehovah's Witnesses really have any say on where you shop or or whatever else. As long as it's not a yard sale, because you might be picking something up that has a demon attached to it. Only the yard sales of other Jehovah's Witnesses, pretty much. Be very careful what you get from yard sales. And as long as it's not like a store that sells demonic stuff or witchcraft stuff. Like if there's a Ouija board for sale, you can't be in that area. You can't purchase anything near it or from that store or whatever else. Uh, They're a little persnickety about it, but by and large, I think it's all superstition-based rather than doctrine-based. So uh, anyway, that was a really interesting question at any rate. I appreciate the uh, voicemail. Where were you on this day on 9-11? When 9-11 took place, I was in school. I was in seventh grade, and they came on the intercom. I was in language class. They came on the intercom and said, everybody, please tune your TVs to Channel 11. Uh, There's something important happening. And my teacher was like, well, we'll get it later. We're working on something. I claimed to be sick so I could go home because I didn't feel like being at school anymore, and I went home. And when I got home, I was on my way to the parking lot to be picked up by my mom. 
and some kid was like, did you hear about the planes? It's World War Three or something. So I get in the car, and I go home, and I'm eating ramen noodles, and I'm watching the TV, and then, boom, I think another plane ran into the building on TV there. Maybe it wasn't live that I saw, but I was watching it. You know, I was watching the whole thing play out. It's crazy. I wasn't allowed to be politically involved. I wasn't allowed to pay any attention to it or anything. So people talk about the unity in America on 9-12. They don't miss 9-11, but they do miss 9-12 and how unified we were. I didn't have that experience because I was a Jehovah's Witness. I wasn't allowed to be politically involved at all. I have no idea what that unity felt like. The U.S. is more divided now than it's ever been in history, just about. I've never experienced the unity that came along with being, you know, came along with having that experience with the rest of the country. Unfortunately, I remember playing with Legos in first grade when it happened. I had built two Lego towers and broke them down, then heard what happened and freaked out. Oh, wow, that's crazy, man. I was seven and they made us, and they made all us seven-year-olds watch it at school, too pretty insane yeah seventh grade so what was i was 11 maybe 12 i'm not sure how old i was next we're going to talk about greg Locke's bizarre exorcism conference and the hilarious possession stories his guest pastors told give us 30 seconds and we'll be right back you're listening to the telltale channel if you like what i do and you want to see me continue to do it check out my patreon you can also check out my telltale unfiltered channel twitter and teespring all links can be found in the description Greg Locke is a famous hate preacher that held an exorcism conference over this weekend, and it is everything I hoped it would be. Deeply, deeply entertaining. Oh my god. If you're unfamiliar with who he is, I talk about him pretty often, but just check this clip out. This is mid-September 2021. He goes out in front of a congregation. I think he was doing a guest speaking slot or something, and he says this. I'm dumber than a box of rocks in a lot of areas. Facebook just makes people think I'm smart. Well, I'm not super sure about that one. I graduated from high school almost two years late with an eighth grade bonehead math degree. I failed pre-algebra two years in a row. I've never had business math, consumer math. I've never had, I never even made it past pre-algebra, never had real algebra. I never had, I hate math. Somebody say amen. Yes, you're like me. I get nervous when the Holy Spirit wants me to preach out of the book of Numbers. I hate math. <laughs> it's nonsense. No, Greg, it is the exact opposite of nonsense, actually. See, this is the thing about Greg Locke. He's extremely charismatic and entertaining, and people love listening to the guy, but he's a hate preacher. He does nothing but misquote and misread the Bible and find verses in it as justifications to hate other people. That's what he's all about. That's what he's always been about. So when he came out and did an exorcism conference, 
recently, I was expecting the worst and I got it. It was simply bizarre, simply bizarre, some of the stuff that they said. He has had it out with a few pastors, some big names, so he himself is pretty famous, right? He has had the opportunity, at the very least, to work with the likes of Kenneth Copeland and Joel Osteen and all kinds of other people, but he's actually come out and and accused them of various things with no evidence, and really burned those bridges as hard as he could. I'll be the last person to defend these people, but he's made a lot of questionable claims about them that that, that don't stand up to scrutiny, honestly. So anyway, he invited a bunch of pastors to this exorcism conference where he's going to teach pastors to do exorcisms, demon exorcisms, and he's going to exorcise demons from the crowd, okay? And these pastors up here on stage are doing a, a like a Q&A type of thing up here. And oh my God, you wouldn't believe some of the weird stuff they were asked and some of the weird answers they gave. Oh my God. Let's set the tone. I'm just going to show you this clip. This is from a pastor. I forget the guy's name. He's the guy in white here. And he's giving us his opinion on medicine and whether or not children should be taking medicine. They're putting these children on these drugs at seven, eight years old, nine years old. And one of the things that people don't realize is that schools get paid for every child they put on Ritalin and things. So they be actually become drug dealers. Wow. So schools are incentivized to put children on drugs, quote unquote. I don't think that's even true that they get money for putting kids on drugs. I think it's like, at best, I I don't know if this is true or not, but at the very best, they just receive subsidies for kids who need medication, who are like in special ed or something, so that they can afford, the school can afford to fund special ed classes or, or alternative ed classes or whatever else. I don't even know if that's the case. I'm just trying to be as charitable as possible. But did you notice what he said? He conflated illicit substances with legal, safe medications. They're the same in his mind. And the reason that they're the same in his mind is because he thinks that medication is just a portal through which demons can possess you. Specifically, if you take medicine, any medicine at all, you're possessed by the demon called pharmakia. Seriously, and you need to be exercised of that demon. I'm not joking. So that's the caliber of person that we're dealing with right now. And then Greg Locke reaffirms what he said there. Yeah, that's the truth, huh? No, no, it's not actually. Get that live feed cut tonight, amen. (laughs) Start exposing them plans. If only people would actually cut the live feed when he said absolutely ridiculous stuff like this. Unfortunately, he's actually been banned from YouTube before. Unfortunately, everything that we're going to watch tonight aired on YouTube. This is all on his brand new YouTube channel that he started not long ago with his 100,000 subbies. Keep that in mind. If you see anything tonight that you think violates YouTube's terms of service, go to Greg Locke's YouTube channel and report it for violating the terms of service because he's not supposed to be on YouTube in the first place, truthfully. Anyway, so that's the type of thing that we got to hear at this exorcism conference, right? But here's the thing about an exorcism conference. Exorcisms aren't even real, all right? Demons are not real. 
And at best, if they are real, they're not going around harassing people and stalking them and, you know, getting into their lives and their business and everything. This isn't happening. And even if it were, the Bible doesn't describe anything about the process of exorcism or how to tell if somebody is possessed. Or it doesn't go into the type of detail that Greg Locke and these other pastors go into. They are fabricating most of the stuff that they said at this three-day conference right off the top of their heads. They are just making it up. So let's listen to Greg Locke just make stuff up whole cloth about exorcisms. Can doing deliverance on an older person or a deathly sick person kill them? Honestly, is deliverance ever unsafe? <laughs> uh. That's a really interesting question, and there's an objective answer to that question, so let's find it. This one's brand new. May 18th, 2022. Relatives charged in exorcism death of three-year-old girl. The child died from asphyxiation at a Pentecostal church in San Jose, California, as her mother, uncle, and grandfather tried to expel what they believed was an evil spirit, the authorities said. There are actually a billion examples of these stories of people dying through exorcisms or supposed exorcisms. Demons aren't real. Exorcism is not real. This whole thing is fabricated, and these people are dying for no reason. Straight up, no reason. Exorcism is dangerous because the people who are doing it believe that they have the power of God in their hands and the protection of God, and they're doing the right thing and everything else, and they take no care for the safety of the people around them because they think they're anointed by God to do this. So let's listen to this pastor's answer to the question, is exorcism ever dangerous? Th this pastor here who's about to give us the answer, his name's Daniel Adams. Uh, I would say no. Yeah, absolutely. If you, know you are incorrect, good sir. Your authority and you know, what you, you know what you're doing and you know that you have the demons are subject to you in the name of Jesus Christ. No, nobody should die. They mm. can Now, when the demon comes out, of a person they can look as dead but that doesn't mean that they're dead you know mm. and that's the tricky part is they can look as dead and some and that's the thing with the spirit of death too when you're dealing with spirit of death it can make the person actually look without color in their body like they're dead but you got to call that spirit of death out of them so i would say i would say doing a deliverance on an older person or somebody that's de deathly ill is actually a benefit i mean what do they got to lose yeah they got their life they have their life to lose. What he's implying here is that their life is worthless because they're older, so they might as well just get exercised anyways because who cares? You know, they're not going to be alive much longer anyways, right? Wrong. Every life matters. Every moment matters. This is coming from the All Lives Matter crowd. Remember, what happened to that? What happened to every life matters? I thought they were screaming that in the faces of Black Lives Matter protesters a while back. You guys remember that? What happened? What happened? I thought all lives mattered. Everything the game. Amen. Amen. <laughs> absolutely. Just absolutely evil, dude. It's just disgusting. Simply disgusting. Now, there are some funny parts to this conference. Hilarious parts, actually, and we're about to get to that in just a second. But before we get there, I want to show you some of the darker parts. Okay, so there was that part, and then... 
immediately after that question was asked, there's another question asked, which is, should you exercise demons from people who have Alzheimer's disease? Now, bear with me through this, because after this one, he has a simply bizarre story about witches astral projecting over a crowd, and it gets weird. Really, really weird. So bear with me through it, but listen to what this guy had to say about dementia patients. This one is Henry Schaefer, who's about to give the answer. He's a bigger guy. What if somebody in your family is, if they have dementia, if they're losing their mind, is it still, can you go through deliverance? And they were, they were asking that question, and so I thought, let's answer it. Well, it's amazing that you would ask that question to me. That one's Henry Schaefer. My mom had dementia, and when she was in the... Um, in the uh, rest home, uh, my brother and I was taking her through deliverance because, you know, even though you're there, that she's under their custody. So it was at her birthday. And so they were doing all this birthday singing and everything. My brother and I were taking my mom through deliverance because she has dementia. You got to realize we were just learning deliverance. So I got in her ear while they're... You know, as evidenced earlier, deliverance, a.k.a. exorcism, it's the same thing. If you didn't know, I just found that out, that they're the same, the same thing. Anyway, deliverance or exorcisms can actually get people killed and do on a fairly regular basis, especially recently since... There's this big boom in exorcisms in recent years. For some reason, exorcisms are, like, making a comeback. Anyway, it's deeply, deeply dangerous. Seriously, it really is. And these people are out here encouraging this audience of thousands of people, thousands, to get out there and exercise demons, particularly from older people, because who cares? You know, they don't have much time left anyway, right? It's not a big deal. And from dementia patients. Because once again, who cares? If they don't make it, who cares? Like, they were older anyways. That's where their heads are at. This is deeply wrong on so many levels. So this guy is saying he was brand new to exorcism. I would hope you'd have a little bit of experience, at least with this fake fabricated practice that doesn't even exist before going in. A practice that is seriously dangerous and gets people killed before going in and doing this to your, your mother who has Alzheimer's disease. You gotta realize we were just learning deliverance. So I got in her ear while they were singing, I said, you hear me, dementia, come out of my mom in the name of Jesus. Yeah. And let me tell you I what mean, it Seriously, think about what that does to somebody with that illness. Think about what's going through their head. It, it, it's simply wrong, simply wrong. Said, we got her right where we want her. <laughs> So this guy just described trying to perform an exorcism on his mother and claims that the demon literally responded to him, whispered back to him, we got her right where we want her. It's hard to tell, and you'll see more examples of this in a couple of minutes, it's hard to tell who's lying here. He did not hear the voice of a demon. Right. Plain and simple. He didn't. But later on, he tells stories about doing exorcisms on people who are younger and, you know, have their faculties about them and everything else. And I can't tell if it's him lying or if he's being trolled. I can't figure it out. Like somewhere along the line, somebody is not being truthful here. Right. But which person isn't being truthful? This right here, what he just did, this is a prime example of him flat out lying. The story that he told is simply not true. Now, maybe he believes that he heard the voice or something, but that's oddly specific. 
we've got her right where we want her. You, people don't just hear that. I guess that voice could pop in their head, their inner monologue or something, but I don't know. I think this guy specifically knows what he's doing and is specifically setting out to not tell the truth. And you'll see why I feel that way in a little bit. Okay, so that's all the heavy stuff that I had, but I've got some honestly hilarious stuff that I wanted to cover next. Some of the nuttier things that happened at this conference. They come up to the the subject of astral projection. Now, if you're unfamiliar with astral projection, it, it is also fake. It's a pretend thing that doesn't exist. I know the witches in my audience will be upset with me saying that. It's just what it is. Astral projection is the idea that you can leave your body with your mind and your mind can roam around the earth or whatever, do it, getting into shenaniganery of all types of things. You know, you can do whatever you want. Like you can sneak into people's homes and listen to conversations or whatever with your mind, leave your body and your mind will enter people's homes and hear this thing or that thing. That's what astral projection is, if you're unfamiliar. So let's listen to uh, Greg Locke starting them off with the subject of astral projection. Here's where it starts to get really weird. Uh, a very famous rapper two weeks ago came out. I don't know if you saw it on TV. He's like, astral projection, of course it's real. He's like, we, we practice it all the time in, in our... Which famous rapper said this who was it why didn't he just name him it's not like he's trying to protect a source right it's not like greg Locke knows this guy personally and he didn't want to like ruin his reputation by blowing the lid off of his beliefs or whatever just say the name who do you guys want to know who it was nobody it was nobody he made it up i looked pretty hard for this i wanted to know if this was true or if he was just making it up right off the top of his head and as far as I can tell, nobody said this. I don't know. If somebody can find a quote like this, please post it in the comments. I'll pin it to the top of the video. Just let me know. I'm very confident that this is just made up. Uh, a very famous rapper two weeks ago came out. I don't know if you saw it on TV. He's like, astral projection, of course it's real. He's like, we, we practice it all the time in, in our you know, religion, in witchcraft. He said, as long as we've been there before, we can always go back in the spirit anytime we want to. I'm telling you. That stuff is real. And you better be... No, it isn't. And it's weird that he's trying to convince his audience that it's real. Like, aren't they willing to believe basically anything he says anyways? Yeah, that stuff is real. And you better be careful what you open your kids up to. This man right here, years ago, when he was on the cutting edge of the cusp, he wrote a book called 14 Things Witches Hope Parents Never Find Out. And that is on my book reading list. I have a channel called Telltale Reads. We've been going through Greg Locke's book, This Means War, lately. And it's basically all about how persecuted he is and how he believes that we're in the end times now and COVID was just a plot by the deep state. To blah, 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 you know, that's what the book's all about. That's what we're reading now. I think I might read the QAnon book next, which is An Invitation to the Great Awakening. And after that, I'm thinking I'm going to read the one that he just mentioned, which is 14 things that witches don't want your parents to know about or something. Of the cusp, he wrote a book called 14 Things Witches Hope Parents Never Find Out. Yeah, that. That's on my list. I'm going to be reading that soon. So sub to the Telltale Reads YouTube channel. That is deeply entertaining, I bet. Now it starts to get even stranger. You think that last clip was weird? Just wait. You have not heard this one. September 5th is when this exorcism conference happened. This guy comes out and tells a story about something that he heard somebody witness. Lots of degrees of separation there. Check this out. If you go to Africa, it's very common 
for witches to ast astral project over crusade fields and stuff like that and try to what's a crusade fields now i know what the crusades are just using context clues is he talking about fields where battles were fought during the crusades why not just call them battlefields i don't understand okay what did these witches do fields and stuff like that and try to cause problems in the spirit i've actually had a woman there that that survived the genocide in Rwanda tell me a story of when she was doing a crusade witches would astral project in the air and pee on people in the crowd yep. they would think it was raining but they were peeing and I know that's hard to believe here in America yeah that's a little hard to believe oh my god this is getting crazy now astral projection is leaving your body and your spirit is floating up out of your body and, and experiencing things you you can't, you don't have a physical form when you're astral projecting, supposedly, right? I mean, it's completely fake in the first place. I'm just trying to work within the confines of the lore that they've already formed out for us. Astral projection is leaving your body. How are witches astral projecting over a crowd <laughs> and peeing on them? I don't understand. Oh my God, this is just... God, this is weird. This is so deeply entertaining to me. I love it. But they were peeing. And I know that's hard to believe here in America, but it's true. And what they would do is they would catch them in the spirit in the name of Jesus and their body yeah. would catch up in the air and they would fall butt naked to the ground. Yeah. Serious, true stories. It happens all the time overseas. It happens all the time overseas, huh? Interesting. Well, why don't we ever get pictures of this happening overseas then? Or video or whatever. Why is it that nothing, no evidence of this ever surfaces? Like ever. In the age of smartphones too, right? Weird. How weird. This is simply bizarre, man. And I am here for it. I am here for every second of it. I love it. Oh my God. I've been covering this whole conference they have a day session and a night session, basically four hours each. I've been, there's a lot of singing, so I skip past the singing, but I've been covering the whole thing on my Telltale Unfiltered channel and on my Tuesday night main channel streams. I've been covering a lot of this, and oh my God, dude, this is the tip of the iceberg. Seriously, it is, it is really strange, some of the stuff they say. Okeen the Cat, I think Crusade Field means a place where people are preaching the gospel, like the Billy Graham Crusades. Okay, yeah, that you know what? You're probably right on that point, because a minute ago he was talking about modern-day crusades, like this woman was doing on a crusade or whatever. So it's probably where they preach the, the gospel now. I think you're probably right. Thanks for the uh, message there. Oh my god, this is weird. Would you believe me if I told you it gets even weirder? Seriously, even weirder. I have like a billion clips. I can only fit in so many. There's another clip of this guy right here, Henry Schaefer. There's a clip of him talking about how he was exercising a spirit spouse. Somebody was married to a spirit spouse. You know what? I'm just going to play the clip for you. It's short. Actually, it's a long clip, but I'll play just a, a small segment of it. All right. This is like a two and a half minute clip, so I'm not going to play the whole thing because I don't have the time, but I'm just going to play like the first little section here. Listen to Henry Schaefer describe the time he was exercising a spirit spouse from somebody. Many times in the, in the deliverance of a spirit spouse, you would call them up. So let me let me, can I give you, can I give you a for instance on this? Oh, please do. 
I'm taking a female through deliverance of a spirit spouse. While she is there, it's manifesting in her body. It's messing with her as we're talking to her. And I called the spirit spouse up. I said, give me your name. I want your name. Tell me your name. And it takes a piece of paper and writes on a piece of paper, S-P-I-C-E. What does that say? Spice. I took my computer and I turned around and I said, the definition for spice, salt, pepper. You know what the next definition down is? Plural for spouse. No, it is not. I want to be as charitable as humanly possible to these people. I really do. So I Googled this upside down, backwards and forwards to see if there is some context in which spice can be the plural version of spouse. And it simply isn't. The plural of spouse is spouses. It's spouses. It's not spice. He just made this up. Now, that's not the only thing I think he made up. Did he also make up the interaction with this woman in the first place? Did he make up this claim about the demon writing the name Spice or whatever on a piece of paper? I don't know. I don't know. I want to be as charitable as possible, but he is making it so difficult. This guy is something else, dude. Listen to this one. This is just a few minutes before the clip that we just watched. He's talking about astral projection again. Listen to this. People take that and they actually travel. Now, our government uses that so that they can go into, and I'm not talking about remote viewing. I'm talking about actually going into uh, people's homes or uh, Russia or the Kremlin and things like that. They, they know how to do this. And they put themselves under hypnosis or they're under some kind of pharmacia, some drug, that they actually lie there and they actually come out of their body but they're connected to that silver cord. Yeah, so he earlier he talked about a silver cord from Ezekiel or something. It's all completely made up. He is making every bit of this up. In that mention of Pharmakia earlier, he believes that there's a demon named Pharmakia whose sole goal in life is to get you addicted to medicine. Uh, blood pressure medicine, ADHD medicine, you know, anything. Anything at all. It is all intended to get you taking medicine. And he's saying the government has mastered astral projection. I mean, really, think this through with me for a second. If the government used astral projection, any government at all, it would be impossible to keep any secrets. State secrets wouldn't exist because you could just travel anywhere at any time for any reason whatsoever. Just go somewhere and look at papers and listen to conversations or whatever. Seriously, astral projection is fake and the government isn't harnessing it to gain state secrets or whatever. Where is this guy's head? This is nuts. That they actually lie there and they actually come out of their body, but they're connected to that silver cord and it can stretch and it goes. And as long as that silver cord is connected to them while they're out there, they are okay. But what happens... Completely making this up. There's no basis for any of these beliefs or ideas or anything at all. It's just fabricated right off the top of his head. ...is that people get used to doing this in witchcraft and pulling them out of their body. And some people, they'll, they'll get right up out of their body even with uh, in a hospital and things like that but they're connected to it. When a demon gets you into wanting to do that and travel out, many times as it's stretched, people come back and demons are hacking at that silver cord, trying to sever that cord.
With what? Do they have hatchets in the spirit realm? I mean, really, elaborate on this for me. Tell me how this works. Why can't they just sever it with their teeth? Why can't they just sever it with their arm or their leg or their whatever? Why can't they just twist it and break it or whatever else? Don't they have spirit weapons? This is all made up right off the top of his head, and he's trying to make himself sound credible by expanding on it. This is also the root of the propaganda method called the big lie. The more detail you add to a story, the more believable it is. And the more believable you are. This guy is trying to give himself credibility by expanding on this in a ridiculous way. Expanding on an idea that is made up in the first place and adding more and more and more detail to it that's just adding to the nonsense. Cover that cord before you can get back because if you do, then you are in a lost state while you're there. And of course, you pass to be to the other side. Mm. So if a demon succeeds in cutting the silver cord that tethers you to the real world while you're astral projecting, then you pass on to the other side, I guess, you die. It's all made up, and it's absolutely insane. From top to bottom, every bit of this conference was absolutely nutty. Really. Oh my God, was it strange. Once again, if you want to see the whole conference or most of it anyways i've been going through it on my telltale unfiltered channel so check it out it's it's absolutely insane so here's my question who's making this up who's making it up we just heard multiple people describe exorcisms that they experience that they took part in or whatever right who's making it up is it the pastors that are doing the exorcisms that's making it up or is it the the people who are having the exorcisms performed on them somebody's trolling somewhere along the way somebody is not being truthful somebody is embellishing and just making this up who is it is it henry schaefer is it daniel adams is it greg Locke? is it the pastors or is it the congregants in my opinion i try really hard not to assume anything of anybody because I don't feel like it's fair to make any unfounded assumptions. I I want evidence before I believe anything ever. But I feel like the fact that they are blatantly lying about hearing demons' voices and stuff is enough evidence for me to say that they're just making it up. If you disagree with me, let me know in the comments or on Twitter at Telltale Atheist. Next, we're going to talk about the Trump cult coming up with all kinds of strange ideas about Biden and Obama, collectively referred to as Joe Obama. Give us 30 seconds and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. If you like what I do and you want to see me continue to do it, check out my Patreon. You can also check out my Telltale Unfiltered channel, Twitter, and Teespring. All links can be found in the description. This is Shane Vaughn, and he is one of the leaders of the Trump cult. I would say he's at the top right alongside Johnny Enloe. We'll probably talk about him a little bit later, too. But let me draw out their ideology for you, the ideology of the Trump cult. It's like a mix of Christianity and Republicanism, some weird mixture of it. Let him explain it for you. He said this early November 2021. Check it out. And he wrote down, wow. we are going, he wrote a course, to new Israel, new Israel, new Israel. He's describing like founding fathers or pilgrims or whoever else coming over to the U.S. 
And when they came off the ship, they didn't plant an American flag. They planted the Christian flag mm-hmm. on the soil. They dedicated George Washington. Ignoring the fact that the American flag didn't exist at the time, they did not plant a Christian flag in the soil. George Washington knelt and prayed, dedicated America where the Twin Towers stand or stood. That's where America came into covenant with Yahweh, with God, was where the Twin Towers stand. That's not true. None of it. Literally nothing he just said is true in any way. George Washington, what the thing that he's talking about there with George Washington, he's talking about a famous painting of George Washington kneeling next to his horse. This painting right here, this painting doesn't actually represent reality. George, Wa- This never happened. George Washington did not kneel next to his horse and pray next to whatever. The painting is real, but the thing it's depicting is fake. And that's what Chain Bond is describing. He's saying... This painting is a painting of George Washington bringing America into covenant with Yahweh. After Jesus bebopped along, Yahweh broke covenant with Israel and formed a new covenant with America when George Washington knelt in front of whatever and said this prayer. Completely made up. Completely made up. Right off the top of the dude's head. Nothing about this is real. But that is the Trump cult. That's the Trump cult belief. They need America to be in a new covenant with Yahweh. Because if America isn't in a new covenant with Yahweh, then Donald Trump can't be the new Messiah. And they do believe him to be the new Messiah. We'll get there in a second. Keep listening to what he has to say here. That's where America came into covenant with Yahweh, with God, was where the Twin Towers stand. Wow. Ain't that something? That is where George Washington prayed, right? There's a chapel right outside the Twin Towers where George Washington, that picture of him praying by the horse, that's where it happened. That's where... There is a a chapel outside the Twin Towers or where they stood. It's called St. Paul's Chapel. There's a church there too, I think. Completely made up though. This is all made up entirely. That's the only true thing in this whole thing that he said so far, that there's a chapel there. He dedicated our nation in covenant to God. If you will make us a great nation, deliver us from tyranny, then we will serve you. And he gave the nation to God at that point. Every signer of the Declaration of Independence were descendants of the tribes of Israel. Israel. We can trace it. We know it. No, to literally all of that. That is completely made up. Every signer of the Declaration of Independence was a descendant of the tribes of Israel. They were all Jewish. No, where is the guy even getting all of this? This is nuts. This is the Trump cult. I'm telling you guys, insane. We know it. I was a doctor of theology. I was the youngest ordained evangelist in America at 14 years old. No, that would be Marjo, who's the guy's name. I forget his full name now. Marjo Gortner. He was the youngest ordained minister at, I think, four years old. He went on to become a televangelist, and eventually he went on to leave televangelism and debunk other televangelists. And man, was he good at it. You should look the guy up on YouTube. I've actually done a video about him. Just search Marjo Telltale or something, and it should come up. It's really fascinating. He was the youngest evangelist at four years old, not 14 years old. But this guy doesn't care. He's a leader in the Trump cult, so anything he says is automatically true, and that's all there is to it. It doesn't help that the people that he speaks to accepts what he says blindly. Ordained evangelist in America at 14 years old. Wow. I've lived for the Lord my whole life. Wow. Whole life. 
And I was dumb as a box of rocks and didn't know it at 40 years old because I thought that a Jew meant Israel and an Israel meant Jew. And an Israel meant Jew. Okay. So anyways, that's the Trump cult ideology. They believe that America is in covenant with Yahweh. They've made a new covenant with Yahweh and the old covenant with Israel has been broken, basically. And that justifies everything that they say and do and believe. That justifies all of the atrocities because they're doing it in God's name. They seem to have some weird obsession with Joe Biden. Naturally, I mean, Joe Biden beat Trump in the polls and in the election. So naturally, they would have a real problem with him. They believe that Trump was ordained by God, anointed by God to be president. And then Joe Biden comes in and wins an election. The only explanation is that Joe Biden is a demon who set out to reverse prophecy and somehow succeeded, question mark? How did he succeed in reversing something that God wanted? You got me. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. They believe it, and that's what matters. They will believe absolutely anything if it furthers their love for their leader, Donald Trump, for their religious leader. And if you feel like I'm going too far by calling him their Messiah or religious leader, just wait. I will prove it beyond a shadow of a doubt and make you comfortable calling this a religious cult too by the end of this video. Just stick with it. So Biden gives a speech the other day in Philadelphia where he's talking about how the MAGA movement is an extremist movement and it's a problem for society because they keep rejecting democracy. There are two outcomes to an election, either I win or you cheated. That's kind of the idea behind the whole speech Biden gave, right? Well, Shane Vaughn, leader of the Trump cult, had some things to say about it. Listen to what he said, early September, 2022. Something hit him when he got up there. I know what that something was, the power of Satan himself. Talking about Joe Biden. Yeah. Just like Senator Palpatine in Star Wars can barely walk until Satan touches him and then he becomes this rough and tough, but he's a coward without Satan's power. When he came. Yeah, what he's saying here is that Joe Biden it doesn't have all of his faculties about him when in reality he does. He does. The idea that Joe Biden has dementia is propaganda. There's no basis for it. Joe Biden has a stutter. He has since he was a little child. And they use that as an example of him having trouble with words and, and fumbling over his sentences and everything else. The guy doesn't have dementia. There is no reason to believe that he does, except for the heavily edited clips that imply that he does. For example, a while back, there was a clip that came out. I don't have it on me right now, but there's a clip of Joe Biden meeting the Pope. He walks up to the Pope and says, you are an, a famous African-American baseball player. And then it cuts away. That didn't happen. You know what actually happened? Joe Biden walked up to the Pope and said, there was a famous African-American baseball player. Then pauses for a second to wait for his translator to come up because the Pope doesn't speak English very well. When the translator appeared, Joe Biden continued to tell a story about this famous African-American baseball player who broke through barriers and overcame segregation and all of this other stuff. It was a photo op. It was a beautiful story. And the Pope and Biden stood together and smiled and shook hands and all that stuff. And the far right, people like Shane Vaughn, spread around cut clips of Biden calling the Pope 
a famous African-American baseball player. He doesn't have dementia. Never did. It is simply propagandistically edited clips that have been released strategically to make people think that he does. And Shane Vaughn bought into it because he believed it. I don't know. I think it's more likely that Shane Vaughn wanted to believe that Biden has dementia or is incapable or whatever else, because that justifies his belief that Donald Trump is the God Emperor, as he calls him, or the Messiah, more accurately. So anyways, his claim is that Biden has dementia and is completely incapable, and that created a cognitive dissonance in Shane Vaughn's mind, because he just watched Joe Biden get up on stage in Philadelphia and give this long, coherent, well-thought-out speech about the MAGA movement being dangerous to democracy. So how does Shane Vaughn square that circle in his head? How does he rationalize his false belief that Joe Biden has dementia with the fact that he just watched Joe Biden on screen give us a, a flawless speech without really stumbling over his words once? How does he come to terms with that fact? Keep listening. He explains it here. Satan touches him and then he becomes this rough and tough, but he's a coward without Satan's power. When he so he believes that Biden came out and stumbled over his words and then Satan touched Biden while he's speaking and then cured his dementia temporarily just for like 30 minutes, long enough to give the speech and then it was right back to Dementia Town. You would think that Biden and Satan would be close enough at this point, based on how Shane Vaughn and others speak about him, that Satan would just remove the ailment entirely from Biden, right? Weird. When he came there, the drugs kicked in, and he delivered a commanding speech. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. So not only was Satan stepping in to help Biden get rid of the dementia, but also he was taking medicine. Okay? You know, I've never had anybody in my life have dementia before. I'm lucky enough to have not had to deal with that yet. Probably eventually will, unfortunately. But correct me if I'm wrong, you can't cure Alzheimer's with medicine, right? Or you can't pull somebody out of it by giving them medicine, can you? It may make it slightly better temporarily for a short time, maybe. Is there even a medicine that does that? I don't know. The way Shane Vaughn is putting it, Biden just has to take medicine every day and boom, the guy doesn't have dementia anymore. Well, you'd think that he could just keep taking the medicine and not have dementia. I just, I don't understand this guy's thought process. Commanding speech, oh yes, by his standards. He started off real hoarse, but like a pro, he managed to get over it fumbled over the first few words, and then Satan took over. Joe, Joe Obama spent weeks preparing this speech and the background. This was something that was set up by Satan himself. And how does he know that? He just does. God told him. That's how he knows. And uh, that little reference to Joe Obama, <laughs> that's actually a set of memes, Joe Obama memes. I don't know if you guys have ever seen these before, but, you know, we need a good laugh. Why not, right? Obama, why'd you text me to come over? Joe, I got two Nerf guns under the table. On three, we shoot the Republicans. Obama, we're in the middle of a meet. You in or you're out? <laughs> Obama, Joe, did you get rid of all the candy bars? Biden, I didn't want him to be reminded of his time at the Wonka factory. <laughs> Talking about Trump, I assume. I mean, some of these are really old. This is like 
when Trump was just elected and trying to take over office or whatever. Biden, why are we running? Obama, Joe, you can't just let hamsters loose in the White House. Biden, but I gave him name tags that say Donald's hair. Obama, we have to find him. <laughs> you know, some of them are pretty funny. Biden, Barack, we have to run. Obama, where are we going? Biden, we have to hide. They can't make us leave if they can't find us. You know, some of them are really good. I like it. I like a lot of it. But anyway, that's what Joe Obama is. Joe Obama memes. They're they're hilarious, honestly. You guys should just go through Pinterest and, and look at some of them. But anyway, I guess I guess this guy was referring to Joe Obama in the sense that Obama is running everything for Biden. Uh, no basis in reality. No reason to believe any of that, but whatever. Okay, now here here's where it gets real. You remember earlier I told you I would justify me saying that to Shane Vaughn, Donald Trump is the new messiah. This is where that justification comes in. Listen to this, mid-August 2022. What is the prophetic seal that Yahweh placed upon Donald Trump and upon his, his true people? It the prophetic seal God placed on Donald Trump. Is supernatural prosperity and blessings that's the prophetic seal the ring of god when he touches your life there will be unparalleled blessings that will come into your life that you didn't ask for you didn't create you're just anointed for that season and the evidence of it is on the prosperity of the nation and the people donald trump carries the prophetic seal of the calling of God. He is Joseph. If you are anointed by Yahweh for a specific plan and purpose, you are a Messiah. There you go. Shane Vaughn in clear, direct terms telling us that Donald Trump is a Messiah. He is a Messiah anointed by Yahweh. Dude's not little. He's not a tiny little guy. He's a televangelist and a famous one. He's not a nobody. Yahshua was the Messiah of mankind, but Donald Trump is the Messiah of America. They believe Donald Trump to be the, the new Messiah. If that doesn't kick it for you, if that isn't enough, check this one out. Mid-April 2022. This is Jovan Pulitzer. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. He was one of the people who ran some of the Arizona vote audits and stuff like that. He's pretty influential. And the person who's interviewing him, this is Ann Steele something. Uh, I forget her name now, but she runs a show called The Steel Truth on all kinds of crazy networks. They're right-wingers. They're Republicans. Long story short. Listen to this. I'm going to give you a name of somebody. You come back and give me one name or, or one uh, descriptive word. Trump. Don't take this wrong, but remember I'm Jewish, and a Messiah is, in Judaism, is a person who would bring the one true God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to the world. A Messiah means a great leader, a great prophet. I believe that Donald J. Trump is a Messiah for what's called the New Jerusalem, which is the United States of America. He was it, and he opened everybody's eyes. That's the only way I can describe it. He's a prophecy oh. fulfilled. They believe Donald Trump to be the Messiah. Seriously. They believe that America 
was brought into a new covenant with Yahweh. The old covenant with Israel was broken for one reason or another. And Donald Trump is the Messiah to new Israel, a.k.a. America. That's not all Shane Vaughn focuses on. The dude has made Donald Trump's enemies his enemies. Listen to this one. Early August 2022. This is Shane Vaughn doubling, tripling, quadrupling down on his belief that Donald Trump is the new messiah and should be worshipped as such and followed and emulated in every way. I believe that God gave us another chance to rally again against the dark forces of an evil Biden empire. Wherever you are hiding, Barack Obama, we see your hands behind it all. But I want you to know something. The very gallows you have built for our president, watch out, sir. Watch out, sir. I think the guy believes that Trump is the messiah, the new messiah, and Obama is the Antichrist. It's hard to know. I I know that most televangelists tend to think Obama is at least influential in the sphere, and we're in the end times now, and the Antichrist is already on the scene. And some of them say that Obama is Gog of Magog or whatever. So I'm not sure how Shane Vaughn specifically views this, but he obviously thinks Obama is like some kind of an evil master, some some influential mastermind pulling strings behind the scenes. I'm assuming he thinks Obama is the Antichrist, but take it with a grain of salt. I'm not 100% sure on that one. So he believes that there's going to be a huge face-off between Obama and Donald Trump, and it's going to be a spiritual battle where they fight each other, and Trump goes to heaven and serves next to God as uh, an heir over the entire earth. And Obama, being the Antichrist, is killed by him and goes to hell for all eternity or whatever else. That's how this guy views the world. There's going to be a day of vengeance by God Almighty, not by me and not by men, but by God Almighty. So anyway, this guy is completely disconnected from reality and has completely turned Trump into the new messiah at this point. He is fully pulled into the Trump cult. In fact, he is one of the leaders of it. This clip came out early May 2021. This is after Trump had been removed from like Twitter and Facebook and, you know, all the other social media networks. And Shane Vaughn was trying to find a way to spread his new Lord and Savior's message to everybody. Listen to what he had to say here. He, I, he had himself in the corner for some reason, so I blow this up and I make him big. It's a little grainy, but it just stick through it. Listen to what Shane Vaughn says about Trump here, being removed from social media. We need 100,000 patriots to become reporters for Donald Trump. Get his words out there since they wanted to be so smart that they wound up being stupid. Because they made the same mistake that Satan made when he killed Jesus Christ. Okay, Satan didn't kill Jesus. Jesus was sent to earth to be sacrificed as a ransom for humanity so that he could redeem us 
or whatever, and we had a chance at living forever, whatever else, right? Satan didn't kill Jesus. Satan did not decide to kill Jesus. Satan wasn't even in the mix here. Jesus came to earth to save us. By killing that one man and killing his voice, he created a world full of little Christians that echo the message of Christ. See? Stupid on the devil's part. The Bible says, had Satan known what was going to happen, he would never have crucified Jesus. No, it doesn't, because Jesus wasn't crucified by Satan. Satan had no role in this whole process except to try to tempt Jesus. That was it. This whole thing was to help humanity had nothing to do with Satan trying to get one over on God. This is, if you remember, this is the guy who claimed to have been the youngest pastor at age 14 or the youngest ordained minister or whatever at age, at age 14. Remember? Not only was he not the youngest ordained minister, is he even ordained? Does he know what he's talking about? He doesn't seem to. Happened, he would never have crucified Jesus Christ because what he did was he started a harvest of Christians that echo the message. He only had one man to deal with. Now he's got a whole population full of us. Okay, now before he continues, let me just point out how weird and disturbing it is that he just made a comparison between Jesus and Donald Trump. That's odd, right? To compare Jesus to Trump. Trump was removed from social media, and he seems to be implying that it was the work of the Antichrist or the devil or whatever to silence Trump just like he silenced Jesus, even though that's not what happened. That's weird. That's one too many comparisons to Jesus for me. Same thing they're doing with Trump. Let them crucify him. But we're now the echo, and we're going to put it on every page, every Twitter account, everything we got. Now, because the oversight board didn't rule that we couldn't share Trump content, it's allowed on Facebook, for now anyway. So take advantage of it. While we can, I'm ordaining all of you right now as evangelists of the Trump revival. The Trump revival. Isn't that an interesting turn of phrase? Isn't it fascinating that this guy keeps comparing Trump to Jesus, keeps calling Trump the Messiah, and wants a new Trump revival? Cults don't have to be religious. There are a lot of cults out there that are non-religious. Like, for example... Heaven's Gate had religious elements to it. It was really a UFO cult. Scientology claims to be a religion for tax purposes. It's really a psychology cult. Let's see. Nexium is not a religious cult at all, really. There are a billion out there. There are a billion cults out there that are non-religious. Don't have to be religious to be a cult. This one is. The Trump cult is not only a cult in itself, but also it's a religious movement. They believe Trump to be the new messiah now. And I am, I'm absolutely fascinated to see where this goes, but I am deeply disturbed at the same time. How are these people going to react when Trump dies? I mean, the dude is 79, 78 or something like that, right? He can't possibly have longer than 15, 20 years under his belt, can he? I mean, how old would Trump be in 15 years? How old is he now? Trump is 76 right now, okay? So in 15 years, Trump's going to be 91 years old. In 20 years, he's going to be 96. 
What are they going to do when he dies? What are they going to believe when this happens? How are their beliefs about Trump going to change when that takes place? Is he going to be a new martyr? Is he, I mean, they obviously believe him to be a messiah. Is this going, is this religion going to persist for the next generation? That's really what I want to know. In 30, 40, and 50 years, are there still going to be people out there worshiping Donald Trump? Like, full-blown worshiping the guy. Viewing him as a messiah, as Shane Vaughn does right now. God, everything in me wants to know right now how they're going to view Donald Trump in 50 years. Hopefully, I'll be around to find out. Let me know what you think in the comments or on Twitter at Telltale Atheist. Next, we're going to talk about County Clerk Tina Peters getting arrested for passing voter data to Mike Lindell and then getting sued by Dominion. Give us 30 seconds, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale channel. If you like what I do and you want to see me continue to do it, check out my Patreon. You can also check out my Telltale Unfiltered channel, Twitter, and Teespring. All links can be found in the description. So there's this woman named Tina Peters. She is closely linked to Mike Lindell. In fact, she gave Mike Lindell the voter data that he used to parade around and claim fraud when there absolutely wasn't any voter fraud. She's a county clerk, Tina Peters is. This is her right here. This is Tina Peters on screen if you haven't seen her before. But I want to kind of give you a little bit of lead up into this story of her facing a brand new lawsuit because it is deeply entertaining. To lead into that story, let me reintroduce you to Mike Lindell. This clip is from early February 2022, and at this point in time, Lindell was coming off the hinges, if he was ever on the hinges, about the fact that Fox News isn't talking about the election conspiracy as much as they were before, or at least at this moment in time, they weren't talking about the election conspiracies as much. And he was deeply upset by that fact. Listen to how he reacted to the fact that he felt like Fox News was kind of cutting him out. Controls that are on my Facebook and they go, there's no evidence, Mike, give it up. Um, just go over to Lindell TV and go to the number Lindell TV too. And you're going to see Garland on there pouring out the evidence from Georgia. For what it's worth, he does have a section, Lindell does, on his website of election fraud evidence. It's not evidence. It's press releases that Mike Lindell wrote and sent out to various different news stations about voter fraud, about, you know, elections being stolen or ballot, whatever, whatever. No evidence actually presented. What he presents us is articles that he wrote about the idea that the election was stolen without backing any of that stuff up. So there isn't actually evidence. There's just claims that he made. That's it. And, you know, it won't it be funny because then it, when Fox says we're all American, when, he, when Fox calls the United States of America all the people liars and our great President Donald Trump a liar, we say, well, Fox... Here, why don't you run this tape on your show instead of Sean Hannity and run it and then and watch the stuff come out? You know, then you, maybe we should get our cyber guys, Brandon, that looked at all the evidence to hook up our stream to Fox's. You know, like they, have, like they all attack, they all attack Lindell TV all the time. We can attack. Can you imagine? This is Sean Hannity all of a sudden breaking news right out of Georgia. 
We can't even put the, the, the evidence pouring in, pouring in, Arizona, pouring in, Wisconsin. <laughs> and Fox would, you'd have the Murdochs going, oh, no, what are we going to do? The truth is out. We're the liars. <laughs> this guy seems unhinged right now. This is normal, actually. I've watched speech after speech after speech from this dude where he stands up there and says and does the same stuff this is not abnormal it seems weird it's really right in character he is talking about hacking fox news and laughing about the idea of it running false information about how the election was supposedly stolen when it wasn't jesus christ dude so as most people know about this guy, if you're watching this five years in the future and you're unfamiliar with the story, I'll just give you the basics of it. Most people know that Lindell ran this cyber symposium a while back, right? Lindell actually did release private information a while back. I don't know if you guys remember this, but there was a list of voter data that was released. It was a list of dead voters people that claimed that th this list of voters were dead and their ballots were submitted or whatever and bbc actually went around to the people on the list and asked them like knocked on the door and said is john smith in to see if they really were dead or if this list was real at all the list was of real voters who really voted but they weren't dead so where did that information come from it was leaked voter data. Tina Peters, this woman right here, leaked private voter data to Mike Lindell. She was a county clerk running elections in Mesa County, Colorado. She leaked private voter data to Mike Lindell. And that's where they got a lot of the voter data for the supposed evidence that they passed around of dead voters and all that stuff when they simply weren't even dead. There was no widespread voter fraud. But they simply can't give up on the idea. Anyway, so Lindell holds this cyber symposium. I think he held one in June of 2021, August 2021, and then another September 2022. I don't remember. Anyway, he invited Tina Peters, of all people, to come speak at his cyber symposium, which is basically trying to prove that there was voter fraud when there simply was not. Check out Tina Peters' appearance at Mike Lindell's cyber symposium. Just yesterday, I got an order from the Secretary of State that she was going to invade my elections department today. And guess what? When I was on a plane to come see you kind folks and to talk to you out there, guess what they did? They provided a search warrant and raided my office. We don't know what they were doing in there because for several hours... I know what they were doing in there. They were looking for evidence that Tina Peters leaked private voter data to Mike Lindell. And guess what? They found that. They found it. They found the evidence that she did this and then charged her with seven felonies. Oh, my God. Hours, they wouldn't even let my chief deputy clerk, who is the acting clerk for Mesa County when I'm absent, would not even let her observe what the Secretary of State and Dominion were doing in my office. Alone for several hours in the voting room. Alone. Ugh, such a victim. Oh, my gosh. So victimized by the man, right? This woman literally committed seven felonies, and she's the victim here. She's the victim. Absolutely absurd. I'm sorry. Yeah, this was, I put down August 2022 by mistake. This is August 10th, 2021, not 2022. Ignore the date in the very opening 
sequence here. We actually, as it turns out, we have video of Tina Peters being arrested, if you can believe it. Check this out. Did you see that? She's kicking at them. Do you know what would have happened to her if she had been black? More than likely, they would have at least charged her with resisting arrest, bare minimum. One of the most privileged people in the country, with one of the most privileged positions. And she's kicking at the police as they're arresting her. And what do they do? They let her out on bail the very next day. We'll get there. Keep watching. Stop it! Sorry. No, let's go of me. Yes, you are. Give me my key to my car. Give me my key to my car. Give me my key to my car. Give it to me. Give me my key. I'm sorry, man. That's what she gets. I have absolutely zero sympathy whatsoever. Zero. She violated the private information of so many people by handing it over to Mike Lindell. She compromised the integrity of our elections. There is so much wrong with who she is and what she has done. It's disgusting. I can't even stand it. She deserved every bit of this. Every bit of it. The sad part about this situation is that everybody isn't treated with the level of dignity and respect that she was given by those police officers. If it had been anybody else, they would have thrown her on the ground and put her face on the concrete. They would have charged her with resisting arrest and obstruction of justice and any other thing they could have thrown at her. I've seen it happen a billion times. I have no sympathy. None. For this woman. So she goes on Steve Bannon's show to talk about how traumatized she was by that whole thing. Oh my gosh. So mistreated. Tina Peters, county clerk, committed seven felonies and stole private voter data and leaked it to Mike Lindell. And she's the victim. She's mistreated. Listen to this. We're glad to have you on not handcuffed, normally like you are. So, so <laughs> Tina, tell her. Tell our audience. Go to tell our audience what what's the news? Unshackled <laughs> Tina Peters, which they, they're going. Well, this is only a few days later. I'm not sure exactly how many days. Uh, maybe a night. I think she said she's only in there for one night. I'm not really sure, but it wasn't long enough. I can tell you that. I realized they made a mistake. That they should they should have never unshackled you because now you're off the chain. Tell us what's the, tell oh, us what the news is, Tina. Oh my goodness. Oh, my goodness. I, I'll tell you what. You know, I still have the bruise. It's been almost a week. I still have the bruises on my arm where they manhandled me. And you mean where she struggled? It was her struggling. We saw what happened. Clear as day. We have video evidence of it. She was struggling and fighting and kicking at them. But, you know, I still have the bruise. It's been almost a week. I still have the bruises on my arm where they manhandled me. And what I'm, I'm putting out there is Colorado needs a secretary of state who will put people over political theater. That's right. 
she ran for secretary of state after getting arrested in her position of county clerk for leaking private voter data. Luckily, she lost. We have the results of those elections now. Of course, she claimed fraud when she lost. We'll get there. Just bear with me. Keep listening. Prioritize them over politics. And Colorado deserves a secretary of state who will stand up to the Biden administration that wants to run our country into the ground with nationalized elections. And Steve, that's why today I'm announcing I'm running for Colorado Secretary of State. By the way, Secretary of State, I didn't know what relevance that position would have had, but as it turns out, the Secretary of State directly controls elections pretty much like they administrate the elections and get the voting machines and the whole nine yards they control everything about the elections if she had actually successfully become secretary of state it would have been a real mess for colorado for the country it would have been really really bad mike lindell actually sponsored her run for secretary of state by donating $800,000 to her campaign or something like that, which is actually against the law, unless he's a close personal friend, which he admitted on camera he's not. You're not allowed to give more than like $65 to a political campaign in in Colorado for Secretary of State or whatever else. I don't know if she ever faced ethics violations for that or not. She sh certainly should have. Either way, she lost the election, so I'm happy with that. According to Colorado law, she's supposed to pay back twice the amount she received in donations if she's found guilty of ethical violations like that. So hypothetically, she's supposed to pay $1.6 million in fines for taking 800 grand from Mike Lindell. I don't know if she's ever going to face justice for that specific thing or not, but at least she lost. At least she lost. Just a couple days after that last interview, mid-February 2022, she goes on this show, Conservative Daily Podcast, to talk about going to jail. Listen to this. When you have the opposition that you're getting from the top, you know, this is coming from DC, Joe. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, and I want to say right now, too, that um, I'm not depressed. I've never thought of killing myself. Um, if some crazy accident happens, I'm a very good driver. I have a perfect driving record. Yeah. Um, and uh, so never thought of harming myself. So if anything happens to me, um, then I want people to know that it was not an accident. As grim as that might say. She is obsessed with being a martyr and with being a victim. She committed seven felonies and was charged for that. And the fact that she was charged for breaking the law makes her believe or at least pretend to believe that she's the victim in this situation. Kind of reminds me of Jussie Smollett's appearance in court. I don't know if you guys remember this, March 10th, 2022. Dude faked a hate crime against himself and then stood up in court and said he's innocent and he's never considered hurting himself or anything. Do you have any questions? Okay. I am not suicidal. Okay. I am not suicidal. I am innocent, and I am not suicidal. Yeah. It's cringy. Oh, my God, is that cringy. Has the same vibes, right? Uh, same vibes between Jussie Smollett and Tina Peters. It's just terrible. 
just terrible, dude. Well, the Tina Peter saga is not over yet because this roller coaster just keeps on riding, baby. Check this one out. Late July 2022. She comes out. I think this is on. Yeah, this is Steve Bannon's show. She comes out and says this. This was a setup from the beginning. But when they saw that I had such a following and that I was going to win this, they front loaded ballots. Now, if you read report number three and Jeff, uh, Jeffrey O'Donnell, the author of that report. That was not me, by the way. That's part of the video. The ding. She lost the election. She lost her bid for secretary of state. And what does she do? She claims they quote unquote front loaded ballots. This is what the MAGA movement does. Either they win or you cheated. That's the whole strategy. And it seems to be working for them. That's what Tina Peters is doing right now. She lost, so everybody else cheated. I don't even think she's running against Democrats in that race. I think she was running. Th this is a primary, I believe. Let me see. Yeah, this is a primary. She wasn't even running against Democrats. She ran against Pam Anderson, Mike O'Donnell, and and of course her tina peters those are the three republicans in the primary race which took place on june 28th now pam anderson is going to run against jenna griswold november 8th 2022 to determine who becomes secretary of state so tina peters was not accusing democrats of voter fraud she was accusing republicans other republicans of voter fraud they live in a delusional reality seriously you will see that this is exactly what they did this time. They had to take me out. And why would a judge, a, a judge appointed by our radical baby uh, killing uh, uh, laws, uh, Jared Polis, why would a judge appointed by him issue two arrest warrants, two in one week? I wonder why. What could have caused it, huh? No explanation. We'll never know why two arrest warrants were issued for Tina Peters. It's a mystery. It's a mystery. No idea. This past week, they want to take me out and because they know that I know what's going on in the machine. That's it. That's it. It's not that she broke laws. It's that they know that she knows what's going on and they've got to make her quiet. They got to shut her up. So they're going to put her in jail because, you know, people aren't allowed to talk when they're in jail, of course, because they don't have lawyers that have Twitter accounts connected to them because sending her to jail doesn't make a massive media mess. It's ridiculous, dude. The logic that they use in the first place is flawed from the ground up. They just wanna make themselves into victims, that's it. They wanna be viewed as victims. Absolutely nuts, dude. Okay, so th that brings us to our latest clip. This is early September, 2022. <laughs> You'll never believe where she was. She just walked out of the courtroom where she was facing the charges. She was dealing with the charges that were brought against her, those felonies that she was given. And then this happens, listen to this today at 4 p.m. was my arraignment. So my arraignment for the indictment of seven felonies and three misdemeanors. At that arraignment, I was served with, before I walked in, I was served with a, uh, a subpoena that, get this, Brandon, it's from Eric Coomer. Everybody knows who Eric Coomer is, right? 
Oh, I love it. She was served with a subpoena for a lawsuit. She's being sued by Eric Coomer. Eric Coomer, I believe, is the CEO of Dominion Voting Systems. He's the guy that sued Mike Lindell and Sidney Powell for lying about their company, claiming they were owned partly by Venezuela and that they tipped elections and blah, 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 whatever else. Eric Coomer is the CEO of that company. All of that stuff is false. So Eric Coomer sued the shit out of Sidney Powell, Mike Lindell, and now Tina Peters. It's from Eric Coomer. Everybody knows who Eric Coomer is, right? And Well, for those who don't, for those who don't, tell us who he is. So Eric Coomer is the... I won't even call him a gentleman. I will call him Antifa. I will call him Dominion, uh, the one that did the software that he bragged about. Okay, no, no. All of that is completely false. She lives in a fantasy land, as usual. She is just living it up in this delusional reality that she's created for herself. Or that Donald Trump created for her and that she, Mike Lindell, and Sidney Powell love to hang out in 24-7. Honestly sad. Deeply sad that she appears to be, like, obsessed with being persecuted when she was literally the one victimizing others. Victimizing the people in her district by stealing their private data and giving it out to people. So disgusting, man. So disgusting. Can we expect this kind of behavior for a while, or will people eventually learn that there are consequences for their actions? Or, well, sorry, for people who aren't filthy rich. Can we expect Tina Peters and people like her to continue to rig the system and cheat and leak private data? Or do you think they'll eventually get more hesitant? The reason that it is so important that Trump is charged for the crimes that he's committed is because the next guy in line, the next Republican nominee, or hell, even the next Democratic nominee, sees that they will never charge former presidents of the U.S. for anything that they ever do. They can get away with anything, literally anything, could literally shoot somebody on Fifth Avenue and get away with it. The next guy in line sees this happening and realizes that he can get away with it scot-free that's why trump needs to be charged that's why tina peters needs to be charged that's why these people need to be charged for the crimes they commit if they don't democracy comes to an end effectively are we going to see more stuff like this are we going to see people blatantly act in corrupt ways out in the open without worrying about consequences or do you guys think we're gonna start seeing consequences for actions and less corruption. Let me know what you guys think in the comments or on Twitter at Telltale Atheist. Thank you guys for coming and giving this a listen, and I will talk to you next week. If you like what I do and you want to see me continue to do it, you can support me in a few ways. First, there's Patreon. That's probably the best way. But if you want to get something back for your support, you can check out my Teespring. I sell all kinds of shirts and coffee cups and stuff on there. You can also check out my other channels. I have a Telltale Unfiltered YouTube channel where I go through long-form videos like Kent Hovind's seminar series, Jehovah's Witnesses' TV show, and televangelists prophesying about politics. And finally, you can check out my social media. If you have a question for me, the best way to ask it is to tweet it at me. I'm on there all the time so check it out all links are in the description as always
Anyway, so that's all I've got for you. Thanks for listening.